Hello, welcome to Job Jumpers, the podcast for those of us who jump from crappy job to crappy job. I'm one of them, you're one of them, and uh, we're here to commiserate, baby. It's what we do. Today on the show, I have uh, an awesome guest, uh, Jake Flores, comedian, podcaster, bartender, uh, cover model for uh, the latest Eve 6 album, uh, which is very cool. Uh, We have an awesome chat about the relationship of working uh, in the service industry while also being an artist and performer. How to balance that, some of its pitfalls, some of its benefits, of which there are a few. Uh, I thought this was a, a really, really awesome conversation. So we'll just jump right into it. Here is my chat with Jake Flores. All right, everybody. Welcome to Job Jumpers. Today on the show, I've got my new pal, Jake Flores. Um, you might know Jake as as a comedian, um, a podcaster, a uh, Twitter user, um, podcasts, uh Pod Damn America and Why You Mad have been in uh, rotation for me for for quite a bit. Um, I think they're that that's that's some good shit if you enjoy podcasts and are uh, you know leftist or socialist of any kind. Um, and then also you know he 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 dons the face of the most recent Eve Six album, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Jake, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming on. Oh, fantastic. Um, I recently quit my job, so I'm Hell real yeah. good. Which <laughs> I'm to understand is something we're going to be talking about today. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, that that's, um, I don't know, that, that's kind of like one of those feelings that, you know, cannot be replicated anywhere else. It's you get kind of have that, that afterglow you can bask in after quitting. It's crazy. I'm sure we will discuss. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I, I, uh, I, I I just quit a job as well, but that's not. I mean, that's nothing like that special. Um, for for people who 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 may know the podcast, uh, you know the the twelve of you that know the podcast. Um, that's that's a pretty common occurrence. I I uh, I I had been like trying to pivot from hospitality into like admin work for like the last couple of years, and um, I just went back to to working overnights at a hotel and. Um, and I, I, I quit via text message and, and like my, my, uh, strategy is, is I'll, I'll, I'll text them. Um, I'm not a fan of like the, of like ghosting a job, especially if like there's another service worker that you kind of fuck over in the process, you know? Um, so, so I texted the boss and you know, my go-to is like, I make sure it's sent so they know, and then I'll just block all their numbers because I don't want to talk to them ever again. And I don't want to hear what they have to say. But, um, but his text did come through before I could block him. And it just, it, it just said, this is not good. <laughs> I, I thought that was very funny. Um, uh, it is. But yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of me and i mean i'm i'm kind of like my my whole living situation kind of changed in like the last two months so i'm everything's up in the air but uh but i'll figure it out um yeah so so uh you you are um kind of a an artist uh comedian that that you know doesn't shy away from kind of talking about 
your your day job or you know the things that you do to uh pay the bills and and you know i i found like a lot of people who who are you know performers or whatever um in you know whatever medium they the, you know they are in there that's it's kind of a taboo thing you know it's it's kind of like fun to pretend that oh you know i sustain myself just by doing this one thing by my passion um when i mean that's really not the reality for for a, a lot of people um so so yeah i mean I, I i ask this question to everybody um first thing and i think it's it's interesting in this case um but you know you go to a party or some sort of function and 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 it's like you meet somebody new and the first thing they ask you is what do you do and uh you know so usually i ask taking work out of the equation um what what would you say you do and this is interesting because i think you have a few different hats that you wear so jake what do you do um chaos shitster uh you know um that's, I mean, that's an impossible to answer question. You know, y- you're right. Like, I kind of purposely break that taboo, and um, I think it's important to. Um, I I noticed this at one point in my in the in the course of my life. There's been a simultaneous like career arc and also uh, growing as like a socialist thinker yeah like a marxist and a dialectician you know Mm -hmm. and i guess i i eventually at some point identified this without really having the language for it yet as a contradiction which is the thing that we focus on you know yep um there is just an inherent weird unsolvable thing in uh specifically in my career as like an artist but in all things and this extrapolates to the entirety of capitalism and like the way people live their lives in it where uh i i just i noticed that it when people ask you that question the answer is weird and people answer with different in like intentions a loaded question yeah absolutely and telling people um i'm a comedian when i am also other things felt wrong and it felt like something people did um but i if, inherent, first of all without getting like hyper political about it, it just felt cringy like i've always sure. saw people do that and I, I would go well that's bullshit you work at the same restaurant as me <laughs> um but then i like kind of have you know tumbled these things around in my head over the years I had a friend who really made fun of me for putting like comedian in my job description on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't like fucking really make fun of me, but I noticed he like he was a really smart guy, and he sort of like joked about it, and I it stuck with me, and I was like, oh, that is like kind of bullshit. Sure. Um, but then I, you know, over the years I've thought about it, and you go, well, okay, but like it's also kind of depressing to um, to deny yourself that you are a comedian because you have a day job you know so there's an inclination i have to go i'm a fucking bartender and i do stand up sometimes or whatever sure um but like the thing that pays your bills is like your real job and don't be a don't be a precious artist about it um but we're doing dialectics right here it's the third thing right uh it, it 
it's I reject the entire question. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, like a, yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> like, what does it matter? I know because um, I do all these things, and for different reasons, and uh, take various like amounts of pride or not pride in in various things that I do. And um, I don't know. I got into like a I got into a stupid Twitter thing with uh, one of the various people that I uh, like to dunk on and shit and get into fights with online nice. about the fact that I um, am a bartender or at various times have been like a pizza guy and stuff like that. And, you know, this guy uh, was saying, well, you're not a comedian. You're not a real comedian if you're a fucking bartender. And, uh, and I was saying, well, uh, you know, you're a comedian and you get on stage every night and you say give it up for your wait staff you sound like very disdainful for the wait staff for uh sure. you sound like you're calling people with jobs losers and he said no i don't i don't think people with jobs are losers i just think that that's their job <laughs> and if you make your money doing that that's your job you shouldn't pretend to be an artist because i'm an artist and i make my money uh you know podcasting or whatever which is bullshit those people make their money advertising and, yeah. and uh mm -hmm. fucking funneling dark tpsa tpusa coke brothers money yeah. into their you know operation yes. and all sorts of other things but yeah. whatever um and so i thought about it and i was like well all right let's take childish gambino for example donald glover he's a playwright an actor a comedian a rapper 10 other things yeah uh does one of those things cancel out the other thing like how does this logic work you know mm-hmm are you is he only an actor when, he, when he's acting and that cancels out the fact that he's a rapper like it's fucking stupid clearly here the distinction is being made between yep. like prestigious labor and like you know what we consider shit to be below us which yeah. is like mm -hmm. working with your hands and shit right absolutely um <laughs> and you know honestly i've thought about this a lot with in terms of artists in general and i think it's really silly that we like put it on such a pedestal that the idea that that uh art is like this job everyone is fucking everyone is is after the the idea of of art as a job especially in like the world of stand up very very um insecurely and everyone is, seems to be trying to really get to this point place where they can say um it's my job it's yep. what i do and that says something about me and and um you know, but what's interesting about that is there really isn't a place for art in capitalism. We have a lot of it because we live in America and in the first world and the imperial core and stuff. We get mm -hmm. to make all the fun stuff here. Yeah. But fucking television is you don't pay for it. It's paid, funded by advertising. You know, yeah, everything is I'm a live performer, you know, I, I could tell you I'm a professional comedian, but the, what I really am doing when I'm performing stand-up is facilitating the sales of alcohol. Sure, yeah, yeah. People generally aren't there to see me. <laughs> like, 99% of artists are like this. You know, even like the big, hugest, richest people in the game, I mean, celebrities are, like, constantly on Instagram trying to sell you their shoes and shit. Because, like, art isn't really a thing that gets sold like that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm like a million miles away from where we started, but like no, I think about no, this shit I, a lot. Yeah, I I think it 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 all um fits together kind of like puzzle pieces, and you know that reminds me of um you know I feel like a few months ago on Twitter there was like some DIY music discourse about like venues that that you know shouldn't sell booze or something, and then 
uh, you, you know, once you get to the bottom of it, it's like, yeah, that's that is that's where the money is for for these venues, you know, for it and uh, yeah, I, I, it's taking art in its you know by itself. Um, it, it doesn't really you know work. Obviously, you can you can go into the whole Spotify debate where where artists are making nothing and and that's just because it's it it, you know it it is not seen as as vital or important for uh society you know the the elites have uh have decided that no it just kind of like functions as as a way to to sell other things or whatever yeah i don't know and i mean it kind of if you want to get really really uh like i don't know what the word is here i mean if you want to reduce this down to really just material like you know requirements of what it takes to keep people alive i'm not like a hippie about this i'm not like the world needs film i mean it, it we don't like it's superfluous to it's not the same as food like i get it that has that's an economic difference sure and yet everyone wants to do it and in the in that conversation is the reality that like uh you know we have enough resources for like everyone to be doing this shit and like really living full lives i kind of think everyone's an artist like if we lived in like a utopian version of communism just instead of having like you know this weird gate kept system where like one person from your town gets to be a huge star and then everyone else has to work and then we all go see them or whatever like you know there should be like enough time and, and uh, space for for every for everyone to like make things and stuff it's Absolutely, like yeah. clearly a thing that comes out of the human soul you know yeah <laughs> um yeah. It, it's fun it's different for everyone some people are inclined you know more towards music or whatever or, you know things that aren't even traditionally considered creative or art you know maybe you discover one day you love gardening or something like everyone has this and like i guess when i look at capitalism i'm like uh what's this is why i'm such a like a that's why I'm always looking towards the future, um, and I guess I maybe I'm like a utopian communist or something in this sense. But like, not that I think we'll ever get there or whatever. It's a whole other conversation. I just think that like art right now, like it clearly doesn't want to live this way. If mm-hmm. it is a thing, you know, like if you could personify it, it's like mangled through the mechanisms of us yeah. all feeling like we need to be little like entrepreneurs and yeah. buying and selling things. And that's what like, so tragic about it, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so it's just fucking stupid. Cause you have like, to do something. You have to, uh, you have to make it into a way to extract labor out of, this person or that person or like connect it to a thing that has kind of nothing to do with what you're doing with the the ads and the alcohol sales and stuff um so when people ask me what i do you know i i i so i, I said my name's jake you know what i mean like it's a i i i've tried to like tweak that over the years you know i used to say i am a i'm a comedian I, when i was a young dumb guy i would say or I somebody at one point I was like I'm a comic like I didn't like the word comedian I can't remember why that was a thing that comics threw around. A comic is like matter. the uh, the the upper level of comedians. <laughs> I have no idea what the <laughs> rationalization was back then, but I remember really believing that at one point. But what I've gotten to is uh, I do stand up. I think sounds a lot better than I am a comedian because sure. I feel like when someone says I am this or that. I don't know. They're just trying to like uh, tell you a story. Yeah, get some holes in it. And I, but also like saying I bartend for a living. Like I'm not a bartender. I don't know. 
don't yeah, know. I mean, it, it's it, it th- that that's the reason that yeah, you know, I, I I ask everyone this is is because like I've always just felt just so so conflicted about this answer and like i i can clearly tell like you know just based off of other people's answers that it's like it's primarily like a thing that you you choose to to impress people it's like well what's what's the 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 fanciest way to say my profession or whatever and and you know some people some people do say oh you know i'm a secretary i'm i i'm a car salesman whatever but but uh yeah i mean other people choose to you know maybe say what they aspire to be and i think you know i think both both answers are fine you know it's like whatever you you want to identify as or talk to the person about but um but just the fact that like that's like one of the first things that somebody asks you when you meet in certain settings is always like really I, I felt very uneasy with it because it's like, well, you know, humans are are very, you know, multifaceted. And it, it's 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 like you want to boil me down to one thing like right away. Yeah. And uh, that's like weird, like to even for this stuff to be connected to, to me, like who I am. It's mm. kind of weird, like essentialist thinking and stuff. Yeah. And like, I don't know. You know, I'm friends with a lot of artists. I, most of them like aren't. It, this mythical thing that we're describing where you make all your money off the thing you do and like you know a lot a lot a lot of artists if you dig deep enough are like landlords and stuff like that and like sure i have a friend who is and and we go on tour sometimes and i always notice this thing happen where like when we're on tour we're very careful about money because we're like okay we're doing our little you know back of the napkin math every night at the end of the selling merch and stuff yeah. and we're going okay we sold this much amount today uh that means the tour is above water but then we have expenses and stuff like that and you know i'm thinking about this and i'm like well this person is also a landlord like outside of here and so what are we doing when we're like crunching all these numbers by performing we're, you know we're sort of like doing this in order to tell a story which is that like we did it we, we did this for profit therefore that makes us our, ourselves essentially like our we can prove that we are this thing or whatever yeah let's just think about how silly it is because it's like but you could have blown all of the money on booze and drugs and like you could have lost money playing or whatever and this whole thing would be entirely supported by this other fucking gig you got going so to call yourself an artist it's silly like you should be calling yourself a landlord that does art you know, but that's also true of just me having like a service industry job. And that's kind of why when I'm on tour, I don't stress about numbers. I just think of it as like a really fucking wild vacation. And I I have fun when I'm touring because I'm like the, the you know, what is the point of like sitting here and scrutinizing and trying to make make uh, the profit thing make sense, you know, so that I can prove I I the entire if i come back and i work one bartending shift the entire thing is completely washed into the past and it didn't mean anything yeah you know? right uh and which is fine like, i'm glad that means that i don't have to sit there and do that and I, honestly this question i think the thing that nobody really wants to say out loud about it is that it has to do with your parents yes <laughs> like yes when you when you go off into the world and you are young and you decide like i have a free spirit and i want to do something that actually feels good very few people well i don't know actually you know what? i'm gonna take that back people are fucking different but people like me i think 
you know, look at the world when you're young and go, it would be insane to start off by going like, I want to be an accountant or something like that. And that's my yeah. dream, you know? <laughs> you, you, There's you always that one weirdo in, in like your grade that wants to be a fucking accountant or, or some, you know, number cruncher. Yeah. And I grew up around a lot of them, you know, and I think that, um, I grew up around a lot of immigrants and like their parents are like, you have to be a fucking engineer or we're fucked. And there's yep. like, a lot of pressure. It's a lot different than I yeah. think a lot of like uh, white middle-class suburban type shit mm-hmm. goes, but like, uh, <laughs> I'm stubborn and I was like, I'm going to go insane unless I just do what's out there and try to do a bunch of crazy shit. Right. So, you know, but I feel a little guilty at various times in my life for having picked this insane thing. Uh, when you're young, you like it kind of doesn't matter. You're like, I'm still figuring stuff out. But the, the older you get, the more I feel like you need to justify like to the people that invested in you and all mm-hmm. this shit in various ways. And they just have all these like psychological, you know, crazy shit going on with uh, <laughs> all these like guilt complexes and stuff connected to, you know, you need to justify to them that you are a thing more than anyone else. For sure. And so that's where that pressure really comes in to go like oh no 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 i did it i actually am like um this is a real job and not like a thing that i'm just dicking around doing there are material pressures there they you know you're young maybe they'll cut you off if you don't uh do it they they also they're older so they just see things a certain way like for me honestly being a podcaster you know i'm an anti-capitalist podcaster my show arguments have been made among the podcast fear that oh no they're co-ops they're different from businesses i don't know i mean there's a lot of different ways to look at this we don't extract labor from like employees but like yeah hey, we're still doing the you know we work for fucking patreon and they take money sure. or whatever um but when i talk to my dad about what i do he goes how's your small business and i go <laughs> it's great and i don't argue with him yeah because i'm like that probably makes him feel good yeah. <laughs> that he thinks that I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. And it, it, for me, it's like a load off of my mind to be like, man, my dad thinks that I started a small business. That's a story he tells his friends and shit. And, uh, and this is all connected to like, you know, material reality because family structure is a real thing and it carries all this culture and it shapes us and stuff. So like, I think that that is like the unspoken, like, I think that's the unspoken drive that's causing a big part of why everyone feels they need to answer that question that way. Yeah. No, I think you're you're absolutely right. It's it's a a tangled web of of, you know, like I don't know, little little lies or or little status um just like feelings that 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 you belong and you're being approved of and it, you know, Obviously, family is is a huge one, but by you know peers and uh, loved ones, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean it's it it is all kind of a game that we play, and and uh, yeah, it's 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 so it's so interwoven into just like our our DNA as as a society, and and I mean yeah, you're 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 right. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, so moving on a little bit um i know you you have you know worked worked in the service industry for a while as a bartender and and um, you know whatever else you you've done um but i'm curious if you've ever considered yourself a job jumper 
Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, like, as a service industry worker, um, man, you know, the last, one of the last nights I was working on a bar, there's another guy who works there who is, uh, who's, who's an artist. He's a really creative, cool person. Um, he's a musician, and he's, like, uh, someone who picks up shifts at this place and lives in a shithole and, like, you know... But he's in New York City, and he came here to play music, and he's, like, uh, working these jobs because there's freedom in being a hired gun Mm -hmm. and living really precariously, but because, uh, you know, cheap cheap rent and the hired gun job work in a way where if you really do it right, you can get some creative stuff off the ground. We can't... I I like this guy because we came to similar conclusions about how this all works, I think, independent of each other and then we met and, like, I was talking to him about this and... um, you know, but he's just some guy. He's not like a like a dork who reads theory and stuff. <laughs> Sorry, so I was yeah. like, let me let me let me. I, I'm, I'm annoying as shit when I'm bartending. It's part of the reason I had to stop. So, you know, let me break it down like this. Maybe maybe it'll be interesting if I try to like reflect some some material you know analysis to this thing or whatever. Yeah. So like, um, you know, I was talking about how like, uh, we're all independent contractors because of the history of the like the market. In the United States, uh, probably globally at this point, um, you know, people used to have jobs for their entire life. Like mm-hmm. boomers and shit would talk about, like, oh, I walked into a place, I worked in the mailroom, you know, fucking 50 years later, I've got a retirement plan and yada, 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 yep. right? And unions used to exist and they used to protect people's jobs and their pensions and stuff like that. And, like, uh, you know, you had these classic lifelong careers and all that stuff got gutted um, because the workarounds for um for all the benefits and safety nets and stuff like that that have been hard fought by unions have been uh the, the, the work around all that shit is to not classify your workers as workers or as employees it's to classify them as independent contractors right mm-hmm. and it's interesting when that happened you know slowly you started to see these companies eventually that you know the the outcome of this is like the gig economy uh advertise things in a certain way like if you want to be an uber driver or something like that and you're looking at the literature that they put out they really play up the freedom that you get from it yes you know and they play down the fact that this all means that if you crash your car you go to the hospital you're like fucked because the benefits that would protect you in that situation are gone yeah. and you just you did taxes at the end of the year a nightmare and you just, the whole thing is fucked you you're on your own yeah rights that an employee has but the, you know what they play up is the freedom and you get to make your own hours and you can do this while you're pursuing your real job know. <laughs> you know that, that's a really funny thing about the like the job market right now is every job is like this is your side job do this while you go do something else that's but the most like, insidious thing is is the fucking <laughs> like prevalence of of people touting a side hustle as something like to aspire to have like it's just sickening to me well also like it's just this weird like hall of mirrors because you're like well if every job is a side job there where's the main job like <laughs> yeah. everyone is telling me do this while you pursue something else and usually the pursuing something else is just like you know college or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. Huge fucking deal um <laughs> but like it's it's interesting i guess to see this like graft historically because um, um 
without really understanding any of that, I found myself working these like hired gun jobs, um, you know, early in my career because I just started off going, okay, I, I think this is how you do it if you want to be an artist. Is that like traditionally you have these intense service industry jobs, but the rub, the good part of it, rather, is that when you clock out, you're done and you don't have to talk to anyone and think about the place until you clock back in again and the schedules are flexible and stuff like that. Mm. And you can you can use this in this way. Um, but what's contradictory about a lot of these jobs is that that's the appeal of them. And yet, you know, they sell you the job with that right in the service industry. But then they come back around and they say stuff like, oh, we're like a family here, you know, and <laughs> yeah. they start trying to paper over that contradiction and asking you to uh, to put in work that 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 like it would be OK to put in if you were actually being taken care of, like one of these old timey boomer jobs. Yeah, but you're not. So I always, and the guy at my fucking workplace going around going, don't let these motherfuckers do this to you because they're not paying us for this. We're hired guns and we need to think like hired guns, you know? And it gets really difficult to do that because of the interpersonal nature of the service industry. I mean, I am friends with people who are technically my bosses and stuff sure, like that. Sure, yeah, it's it does fun. happen. We, we party together and stuff. Yeah. They're really fun to hang out with. And they, you know, like... It, it feels counterintuitive to reassert this all the time, but you have to because you're not getting compensated like anything other than an independent contractor. And that's why I like quitting jobs. Like it feels like breaking up for me yeah. because a lot of times you're looking at a person you really like and you're like this, I have to do this. Yeah. Or like toxic. The better, and it, the, the things that are making me not want to do this are things that are going to hurt me, you know? So it's almost like being a serial monogamist or something. <laughs> Although, yeah. I guess I don't work one job at the same time, so it's like something even more weird. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a swinger, like a serial swinger or something. But um, no, I, I I've had to figure out not to be the person that lets themselves get like comfortable at a place and stuck in a rut. Yeah, it's for that reason mm -hmm. for understanding like that your interests are not to be like that. But also part of it is just, you know, you, you see that person sometimes and you just go like, Ooh, that's a path. I don't think I want. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's tough cause it's like, in my experience at like hotels, working at hotels, I, I, uh, I worked at this hotel for, for like almost three years and it was like moving up in the ranks or whatever. And my, my boss, like I, I, I did like both of my bosses. The general manager was like a bad, uh, he was like a bad general manager. He didn't really, he didn't do anything, you know. But that's why, that's why I loved him because he just left it. He just left us alone. Um, you love it, yeah. And um, so, so then eventually that that came back to bite him, and he jumped ship or whatever, and um, but you know, I, I, I was still trying to do my best and like work for everyone there that i did like and and then you know i was just kind of like run ragged because because it doesn't matter you know how much you enjoy your uh your coworkers or you know your friends there it's it's uh it's a corporation that's going to grind you down into dust and that's what they did <laughs> so but uh yeah um 
so I I think it would be cool if we started kind of from from the top for you. Um, you, you know, I, I I I'm not sure how how long you've been you know doing um, you know both both comedy and uh, service industry work like hand in hand. Um, but but you know I'd I'd love to hear your 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 job jumping story like as as in depth or as as out of depth as uh as as you wanted to go if you wanted to start from kind of where you uh like how it came to be how like you know Jake Flores origin story totally um interesting I don't think I've thought about this in this context really <laughs> much but that is a really good way of looking at things um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the first job I ever had was selling fireworks on the side of the road. That was pretty weird. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. Nice. <laughs> um, I don't know how much that informed what happened later, but um, that sounds like a cool yeah. job for like a like like a teenager or something. You know, I'm not sure how old you were, but that's that's like. I imagine it would be really cool if you didn't get ripped off by the organized crime hillbillies at the end of it, like I did. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you know what? You know, okay, here's part of the story, I think, because I grew up in Texas, right? Okay. And Texas is like, man, there is just a culture. There's just like a super structural culture there that all of the emphasis is on, like, entrepreneurship and individualism and the market and, like, um, you know, the, the, the idea that the market really works and that everyone can use it to their betterment and that um you know none of this silly marxist stuff is real and shit like that right sure, so yep. i went to college at ut I, I transferred in from utsa um worked a couple of weird restaurant jobs when i was in san antonio but when i got to austin you know i started really looking at like okay i worked you know hard to get into this college what is this experience I started to notice an extreme clash between me and other college students. Like I'd worked my way to this school in this town that everyone says is so weird and, and artistic and stuff, thinking that um, it's going to be like this. Uh, I don't know what I thought it was going to be like. It was going to be like really intellectual and weird. And I'm going to explore all this stuff. Right. Truth be told, it's a big, dumb fucking state college. And I remember like trying to understand the way that like this part of your life works because you know my like my family's half of its immigrants the other half is white trash people that never went to college to begin mm. with so it's not like a thing where there's like a tradition like that already exists where you go here and your grandfather went there and everyone goes there or whatever and sure. so i think what my parents were trying to like really uh, understand what to do with me as a kid going off to college um they believed a lot of myths that people from generations before the economic crash, you know, that happened to millennials believed and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the cost of college skyrocketed and stuff. And so, you know, they were just kind of like, yeah, go out and, uh, you know, go to class and stuff. And like, if you want money, like work, you know, mm -hmm. and I, remember I had a lot of conflicts with my parents over like the money that they give me, but like they kind of have and stuff. And I, there was a lot of just like, um, you know, I don't know, like weird, like, no, 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 no. I worked really hard in college. You just go do that and it'll be fine or whatever. And, uh, 
so I remember I really was like, fuck it, I'm gonna get a job. And a part of it was for independence, you know? Because, like, Definitely. I was a kid who wanted to get the fuck out of my parents' house and stuff like that. But I was working and going to school, and just the economic contradictions were so high at that point that we all understand now in retrospect that it was fucking rough. Like, it was just hard to do that. And I started to notice, oh, wait, all these kids that go to this fucking big state school are, like, rich. Like, they're middle class to some extent. Their parents are paying for this. It's basically a summer camp. They're not grinding it out at these jobs. If they are, it's like... There's a there's a path that's already been made for them to do that. Oh, you work for summer at a place and you make beer money and stuff. Sure. Um, and I was like, man, like, well, I don't want to, you know, fail. I also don't want to like move back to my parents' house and stuff. And like, also the, the what they tell you in the college. Like, I remember like that you know because it's Texas, they would tell they would tell you like you'd have these like meetings with like guidance counselors and stuff and they'd be like the way the philosophy of the university of texas is to make you into an individual that is able to like bootstrap it basically like you you know we're going to build you into a person that understands how to like how to be a market capitalist and Mm -hmm. stuff and so i still kind of believed all this shit back then i couldn't really have the language for even understanding what was happening i was just like okay you're supposed to do all this stuff and then it doesn't work and I had kind of a mental breakdown when I was in college, and uh, I, I dropped out. I eventually just fucking realized I didn't want to do what I was doing and stuff. Yeah. And I started doing stand-up. You know, I kind of dropped out a couple times, got went back in. Eventually, was like, I don't even fucking want to do this. Like, I don't know what, um, you know, the degree is or whatever. So that's I was in this weird space where I was like, okay, wipe the etched sketchboard clean, shake it up and shit. Let's fucking rebuild this from the ground up. And, you know, I just had to, like, make money in this way that, like, no one actually does. The American mythology is, like, I started with nothing. Everyone says they saw I started with nothing. Everyone's lying. That's not how fucking society works, right? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) But I literally was like, well, it's this or go home. And I just didn't want to go home. So I was like, okay, fuck it. I'll figure it out. And... I walked across the street to like a Hobby Lobby at one point. I worked at a Hobby Lobby. That was weird as shit. It's like a hyper Christian, yeah, evangelical I've, craft store. I've heard pretty strange things about that place. It was weird. That's a whole other story. Um, I got into an accident in the break room or in the or in the back room, rather the stock room. Fucking armoire thing fell on me and split uh, my head open. Oh Jesus um, Christ! Just a laceration though. I'm fine. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's good. Did you get any money from them for that? No. <laughs> they. Uh, I was like, for a second, I was like, oh, is, is this going to be like a huge payout? And yeah. it was like, well, they paid for like my trip to the hospital and I got workers comp for like, you know, a couple of days off. <laughs> <laughs> that's Texas, man. Like, they don't give Damn, a fuck about yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's rough. But I was fine. Like, I just had, a, like, a laceration in the side of my head. I didn't have, like, a concussion or anything. And they paid for the hospital bills, so it was like... Okay, well, whatever. hey, you know, that's 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 something. That That is not nothing. Yeah. Uh, Literally in America, paid, that's not nothing. It is for real. It's, <laughs> it is... Uh, I'm surprised that happened, you know? Um... Yeah, but like uh, the job was, you know, dumb and it paid very little and stuff. I just, it's weird. I remember back then thinking like you'd see it, like you'd go like, oh, I work in this one section of the store. Um, I worked in the picture framing shop, which was like good, 
which is a really good like that was like where everyone wanted to be gotcha <laughs> and it was like if you're just a regular floor person or like a stock person it's like you're making like eight dollars an hour or something but if you get in the picture frame shop you're making like 11 and that was like at the time this is partially inflation but also partially mm. how dumb i was i thought i was so rich dude <laughs> fucking make it 11 dollars an hour oh my um, god yeah but eventually i quit that and like I, I, I just needed money i always needed money cash in hand and the paycheck to paycheck thing was just like turning into this weird shit where the paycheck you get pays all the money you borrowed to make rent two weeks ago yeah the other paycheck what you know what i mean it's like dire. You never get out of the hole i'm convinced that that's why they do the the bi-weekly pay schedule like um you know i guess it's a cost cutting measure for the company but but yeah they they keep you so desperate by the end of that pay period you're it's it's bad yeah and it just seems like a cycle that lasts forever you know and so i got really that's kind of why i landed like really in the service industry is like uh i would just need cash because i'd be like my bank account is perpetually overdrawn but i could pay rent because you have this like weird shit where you can pay it like as a debit almost, and then mm. like it overdrafts, and then you're like, okay, that's just a hole that I just have to like, figure out. <laughs> yeah. It's just ever present. So I need to make cash so I can like, eat and stuff while I like work on this whole thing. It was a mess. Um, but I had a car, uh, and so I, you know, I, I, I started delivering pizzas because the you know the drive by the place that it says like Papa John's you can make fifteen bucks an hour or whatever and again I was like oh so much money and I didn't realize like how much of that just gets eaten up by your car and stuff yeah for real <sighs> and but I was doing stand up around the same time and like I you know a lot of this is just like fuck it, you I, f- I feel like a carny a lot actually you know what the the fireworks stand does kind of <laughs> work as an origin story. <laughs> Because I would figure shit out and I would just figure out a cheap place to live because of uh, the stuff that I was learning in stand-up and the weird communities that I was falling into where it was like crust punks and like weird sideshow people and stuff and like other just broke weird artists and stuff. Yeah, you were seeing other people make it work in in different ways that, that were not the norm. Yeah, and like just surviving on the fringes of society. This is why I always put rats in my artwork and shit. Is because I was just like, that's what how a rat lives. And yeah, I thought yeah. about it a lot. You know, living off of other people's scraps and dumpster diving and stuff like that. Um, and so I, you know, I just had this resource, so I used a car to deliver pizzas for a long time. And but even back then, I remember like really thinking like, and this is an insane thing to think but i was just in such a bizarre place of like kind of being like you know depressed and like i don't know what the what's gonna happen and like hey suicidal here and there and sure. just having like literally no vision for how any of this could work it was your vision is fucking very short when you're in a place like this yes you're not thinking about any of these huge questions about society it's just how to get to the next thing you know the tunnel vision yeah yeah uh so you know i really I started to to believe a lot of the stuff that these older comedians were pushing. And it's only in retrospect I really have the language for understanding 
the bullshit that they were pushing because they were very entrepreneurial libertarian types and they were saying like you know if you do if you do this you well like i did then you can make all this money and stuff and you can live in a certain way and all this shit and uh you know so i, I kind of pursued that and i didn't really understand things that eventually formed into full-on contradictions for a while like i really thought okay wait i've got a vision here there's like a two-track thing service industry job pays cash the cash is fluid um and you know then this like career that you sort of like use all this stuff to to funnel the money into and to fund and to try to um get a big payout at some point i mean there's literally like in the arts and in, in stand-up there there were just these things like there was a local comedy contest and it was like if you win you win like five thousand dollars or something yeah so you're trying to win these lotteries constantly and you're going you're, you're really just laboring under the idea that this all works fundamentally that's the big myth you know yeah yep. society's a game show and if you're just really good at it then it pays off and stuff and I, uh, I did that and, but I did start to like the, 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 the seeds of like understanding the contradictions really just express themselves when I was at work. Cause I just fucking hated it in a way that like we all do, but yeah. most people in liberal society you know, use a, just a massive fog of like nihilism and like capitalist realism to explain away. Yes. But I went to like a magnet school when I was a teenager and like learned a little bit too much. Like I had a, I had a, a history teacher who like, when you graduated, he gave you a copy of Howard's in people's history and he would be like, they wouldn't let me teach this. So <laughs> wow. check it out. Yeah. So those, those seeds really helped, I think. Yeah. 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 And I really did not let this, like, this weird, you got to do what you got to do thing, like, take over my mind. Part of that was also because I was, like, taking acid and doing stand-up comedy and going, the point of life is, like, this creative shit and asking questions and, you know, filling my head with all sorts of stuff that does inherently contradict this shit. Yeah. So I was, like, um, I would do stuff, like, <laughs> a big philosophy of mine. I was also way drunker than i am now and that's saying <laughs> something because it's still i still like to have a drink um but like it's just fueled on cheap beer at this point in my life so like i remember thinking well i'll get drunk at night being hungover sucks but if i'm hungover on the clock who cares like yeah that's, that's that's not really my time anyways <laughs> It's not my time. And that's like a thing that like that's in Marx. <laughs> like yeah. you know, I hadn't, hadn't read really capital and shit like that yet. But like uh that that kind of was the logic of like, well, they're they're you know, extracting this, they're squeezing me in this certain way. I might as well be the might as well try and figure out ways for the worst person the worst me of the week to overlap with that time and stuff like that. And yeah, I just really like I, you know, job, those menial jobs are so stupid that you do sit and think and you kind of philosophize sometimes and you're like, this is fucking dumb. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Your boss comes in and tells you to fucking, uh, to mop and it's like the floors are already clean and he goes, I don't care. What am I paying you for? And you go, well, this isn't, wait a minute. <laughs> so the, mar the market isn't 
good. It doesn't make sense. You're yeah. just like, <laughs> like this it, is wasting both of our time. It just you know? feels like a power trip. Yeah, but I, I remember really thinking like, why does this person need to feel as though they're not getting ripped off, paying someone, and just fucking from there, it's like the seeds of all this shit sort of planted. Yeah, and yeah, I, I really, but because because of like how stupid those interactions and how much philosophizing I was kind of doing at the time, thinking about it, I started to really realize like, oh, these jobs, like they're for a specific thing. They're for paying rent and the, you like, you need to treat them like trash. Yep. You know? Yeah. And like, uh, not let them sort of, um, bully you around, which is a hard thing to do when you're like also, starving i know know? you're you're relying on them for you know sustenance but uh yeah i mean and and that's that's yeah that that's kind of why it's such an abusive relationship yeah i was a dishwasher at one point that was like kind of my my entrance into like eventually getting into the bars um and i just remember like really understanding even within that restaurant that there were these forms of hierarchy that I was working a job that typically they only hire Mexican immigrants for because the only way the restaurant model works is to pay immigrants not what you have to pay an American yeah um and I, but I was working it and I was like it was just a job it was just something I stumbled into and then there was like this weird front of house thing with like yuppies that were able to work there and make just insanely more money than me. And yeah, that dynamic like a, is pretty crazy. Yeah. But then it's like you start to like put together, we're kind of enemies, but also in the larger picture, we're both on the same side versus our boss. The, the, the small business tyrants that I worked for also like really helped shape my vision to this like there was just this evil woman that worked at this place i i washed dishes at called east side showroom there were two owners there were twins one of them was named mickey and one of them was named minnie and, <laughs> what yeah oh that's ridiculous uh, and mickey was this horrible woman who would come in and order people around and shit and her friends she was drinking like from the bar with her friends one day and one of them was like laughing and went, Oh, Mickey, you run this place with an iron fist. And it was like girl boss logic. They were all like, <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. But it's like, no, she does. And like, yeah, if we drink from the bar, she fucking docks our pay. But she just comes in drunk and just takes entire bottles and shit. Yeah, and, totally okay you know? for you. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It, it, and then I started kind of catching up because I was hanging out with punks and stuff. And at one point, so when you do stand up, you get really lost in it. A lot of people do. I did for sure. Like for a few years, it's your whole world. You're lost in what is essentially like an like an MLM type cult thing. Um, <laughs> it's all you can think about. Yeah. And after a few years, I started to kind of like it started to wear off. The acid trip started to come down a little bit, and I was like, okay, this was cool, but in order to be an interesting comic, I. Uh, I don't want to like just do comedy. Like I used to joke with my friends a lot about the band you see, who's all their songs are about being in a band. Like that's stupid. You should. Yes. hundred percent books. And you know, I guess that's kind of like how you get the Jerry Seinfelds of, of comedy. 
there's a lot of just like inside baseball and navel gazing and stuff in the comedy world. It's really weird. And like, I sure thinking like, okay, it's at some point, I, even within the comedy world, I've always been like a weird, like uh, I argue with everyone in a thing when I'm in a thing. So, <laughs> you know, you try to be inherent to my nature to be kind of an iconoclast, I guess. Sure. Just, a lot of people like that are attracted to comedy because it, that it brands itself as a place where that happens, you know? Absolutely. And so, like, within that, I remember thinking, this is stupid. I, I feel like I'm getting dumber because I'm not, like, learning the things that I wanted to learn. So I started reading, like, um, history and stuff again. I picked back up the Howard's Inn and shit. And, uh, you know, I got interested in some podcasts and stuff that were starting to happen around that time. And, like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess that helped... Um, sort of i don't know square some circles that i'm still trying to still trying to figure out because you know when you're young and you get into communism there's a tendency to just become like a reductionist in the other direction you know to go like okay it was stupid when i believed in the market and what i believed in america and all this stuff sure so i'm just gonna be like okay well fuck all this shit and constantly blasting leftover crack and stuff and like <laughs> uh whatever which is fun but you know i just watched the fucking second season of the bear and i like love that show like it's there's it it's really well written yeah i've heard, weird, heard great things it's a you know it's a show about the service industry but what's weird about it is you're watching it and you're taking in all these stories, and then every once in a while you take yourself out of it and go, wait a minute, I'm watching a story about people that work for a small business owner. Like, I should hate this, you know? And I kind of do, and I kind of don't. Like, Yeah, it's 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 tough, and I, I, I remember, um, I forget who tweeted it, but just like that, that the... Uh, the like the like uh, like the, the guy's wearing designer clothes or whatever to look like kind of a a scummy service worker <laughs> yeah i mean there's some of that going on in it i i i it's a very divisive show but i kind of fall on the side of like the details that are wrong are wrong but the spirit is kind of the point yeah sure um i like it but i do also not dream of labor you know and that's mm -hmm complicated and i guess what i'm trying to get at with like working these jobs is like i learned a lot and like developed these friendships with people and so it was really hard to to understand like you have to also not fall in love with this world and think of it as uh as, as the point of life yeah. and, like, service industry people really do i mean they, they do feel like they're family to each other and stuff um and so i you know i uh i guess that's the roots of this job jumper concept like that i started to kind of realize like no, no no you have to like not get bogged down somewhere that being said at this point in my life i also got fired a lot which is like involuntary <laughs> job jumping because i had you know really pretty hardcore booze habit and like a sleep disorder that i hadn't really figured out yet and stuff so i would just Damn. miss my alarm clock a lot and yeah. that's just enough to lose jobs and that really kept me precarious for a long time um so maybe like being forced to jump jobs kind of helped me think about things this way i don't know yeah yeah i mean i i uh i i'm i'm somebody who i've never been fired just because i am like 
I'm still like uh, just like afraid of like the conflict of it, you know. I'm just so so I, I just jump before that's gonna happen. But I, I've gotten pretty close. I'm pretty sure, but. Um, I'm sure I'm like fucking meandering here, but um, I guess the, the next thing I would say that really changed shit for me is uh, when I w- decided, like, you know, I had a lot of fun when I was young and I was in my early 20s doing stand up, and then I kind of just figured, like, uh, well, I should take a crack at New York City or LA and see what happens, and if it sucks, uh, and I can't do it or whatever, I'll just like go back to college or whatever, yeah. So what happened is when I was like 26, turning 27, I moved to New York City and a lot of things happened at the same time, right? I got here, the world changed drastically, um, and I'd been like, you know, into like Occupy and stuff like that right mm-hmm. before kind of moving. Uh, the Trump thing started happening. Okay, yeah. The, the Bernie thing started happening. Um, and... I try. I started to try to like do stand up comedy in New York and hang out with the people that do it here. And I immediately disliked all of them and like <laughs> not all of them, but like I it d- didn't, I didn't have this like weird like friendship that I had made with people when I was young and I was just dicking around in Austin. Gotcha. I kind of already had all these lifelong friends that I made in my early 20s and that you know i i think to me what it is is when i got to new york i realized everyone else who came here came here to do something professional Mm -hmm. and so the relationships felt very transactional and that was fine like i mean it was obvious like yeah we all came here to, to to network and do this fucking thing but then like trying to act like it isn't transactional really bothered me yeah it's the farce of it yeah like it makes sense that it's it 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 is i mean that yeah that's the whole point of networking but it's um yeah it's the the mask you put on to to pretend that you love all these new connections you've made yeah and i mean i would just notice stuff happen in the comedy world like you know someone would have a lot of heat behind them they would be like the the you know the person that everyone knows uh, is like just really funny and powerful and, and the person you want to hang out with in like in town when I lived in Austin. Right. So then that, you know, that, per- that person, the, the, the mayor of another scene would come through and then they would like immediately make friends with the mayor of our scene. And I would look at it and go like, is this how friendship works? Like, <laughs> do you, isn't it convenient that everyone is seemingly f- forming whatever what they're referring to as friendship with the most advantageous artist to yeah to be around you know like it seemed like bullshit to me for sure um and you you know you do make friends through your art kind of like there is some reality to that where like you respect you know what you see and what somebody puts puts it out there and you play off of them and stuff but like it's just bullshit that like everyone like it just happens every single time. Everyone seems to be like, um, "Oh, the the strongest friendship I have is with the person who is the, also the most network like viable." Yeah, I mean, it, it it does. It takes you back to high school in that way. You know, it's a popularity contest. 
yeah, it's high school, it's an MLM, it's Scientology, it's, it's just how all these things function. All of the above, um, yeah. So, luckily, though, <laughs> here's the thing, right? Most people that do something like stand-up realize it's stupid, and it's just, like, something they do. But when you get to New York or L.A., the people that have pursued it long enough to take it that seriously and to pursue the career path of it that exists in New York and L.A. are either crazy enough to have done that because it's a stupid idea or they're living an entirely different reality from us because of the class difference. Because a lot of this is like rich kids just get to be permanent children Mm -hmm. and pretend to be artists and stuff uh, in that way I was describing earlier, right? And so because I was at this point like very seasoned as a fucking service industry pirate, you know, I was like this person who like me and my friends at this point, I mean like another friend of mine moved with me, this guy Blake Midget. Uh, he moved at the same time to me as New York. I remember he would just walk into bars and like you would watch him like start conversations with people. And by the end of it, he'd be like, I got the bar owner's number and he's going to like, I'm going to try to work here tomorrow or some Damn. shit. We were just, we had to fucking build skills like that in order to survive. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So as soon as we came into contact with the comedians, uh, he quit immediately because we both were like, these people suck. He's, <laughs> Maybe smarter than me because he had quit immediately. He was like, "These people fucking blow." I'm not. Yeah, doing this. this ain't it. And I, he was right. You know, it was. Just, it felt like we're not hanging out with our people. You know, um, a lot of the comics here, like it, they're fucking. They're from like the one percent. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, um, you know that, that that that's kind of a question I I had for you in the back of my mind was like, you know, because because obviously. You know, it, 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 it. This isn't really a thing that's gonna make most people rich, but like the circles that you kind of have to hang out into to be in comedy, like you'll be kind of shoulder to shoulder with somebody who who is like in the upper echelons of uh, uh, you know, class, and and it must be kind of a weird, uh, you know, weird dichotomy there to to know you're you know going home to to you know your apartment and then but they're they're going to the the penthouse suite or whatever yeah and i mean the the us rubbing up against each other like really really was it was too much for me not to vocalize also because yeah. like i am a writer like i am somebody who's like this is part of what i'm going to be talking about when i'm on stage and stuff uh and like the the you know the incentive not to is insane so like stuff would happen like um a friend of mine told me that he like did an open mic one time when I first moved here. Michelle Wolf was still doing open mics, and oh, wow. she was around. Everybody was like, "Man, she's really funny, right?" And a friend of mine was like, he had done a set, and then she was on the same show, and she went, "Hey, you're pretty funny. Are you like doing comedy? You know, are you like getting up and stuff?" And he was like, "Well, I work two jobs. I've got like a kid and all this stuff, and uh, you know, uh, but I, I get up when I can, and I'm really having a lot of fun." But, you know, it's pretty rough out there. I'm a substitute teacher, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. she went, oh, you're not really a comic then. Like, you're not taking this seriously. Oh, my God. And I came to find out, found out, ah, I came to find out about <laughs> Michelle Wolf that she had been a, a ben, like a Wall Street person. Like, she's in the upper <laughs> echelon of fucking Wall Street right up until she, like, 
quit her job and got some insane uh thing where they pay you like they still pay you your wall street salary for like a year or two oh, after you quit what is it called like a severance package sure yeah okay it, so that's how she was able to do all that shit i was really thinking about that and i was like man fuck these people yeah you know? yeah um god i mean just tons and tons of stuff like that would happen i had another good story it's like I can't remember which one it was, but like stuff like that would happen, and I would sort of go like, um, okay, so this is this is like a huge. Th- okay, the thing that like the thing that was really annoying about hanging around those people was that you couldn't say that because then you're like out of the group, and then you're considered hard to work with and stuff. Yeah, like that. then th- then all the networking and connections you've made are kind of all for naught. Yeah, and so what was the worst part of that? I remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> the worst part about it was that like there was a comic I knew who like uh, I I don't like. I got into a conflict with because they uh they they work with people who I who support fascists and fucking abusers and stuff. Yeah. And I've talked a lot of shit about and. Uh, I've never gotten an interaction with this person, but they blocked me because they go on the Legion of Skanks, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, and I criticized them. And so they went, okay, I'm going to like... I understand why they did it. They were like going to protect their self-interest or whatever. But I went to congratulate this person when they got hired on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and they blocked me. Wow. I was like, wow, okay. And so I don't know why I'm like saying this person because there's no way to tell a story without telling who it is, but... This person's last name's Baker, and the, the reason their last name is Baker is because they are grandchildren of James Baker, Reagan's chief of staff. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of talking about this publicly because I was like, this is insane, right? Yeah. And this person kind of went like, hey, I worked really hard. I walked dogs for years, you know, for like <laughs> mm. a couple of years I walked dogs. And here's what I'm getting at about these people, right? To have all this in mind, all these class politics and stuff, and hear someone who is like from like the Illuminati one percent <laughs> tell you I worked really hard to rub shoulders with these people uh-huh. and network and go to parties with them, you have to if you want to get ahead, you cannot poke holes in that story. Because the thing is, if you're that rich and you're from that well off of a family, you didn't have to do anything. No. Nope. That's not the same as like someone who has to work like a actual working class job that's for beer money or to tell yourself a story that you did it independently from your parents or whatever yeah but it's bullshit you could have not done that (laughs) like you know yeah and and i mean that that's at the point where it's like uh, you know you're you're, yeah because because you are poking holes in that illusion and it's like do they even know like what like hard work yeah like they've never even had to kind of build a conception of like what actually working to survive means so it's like do like do they even know like how how tone deaf they sound yeah and i think they really don't you know and i that's like why i mean i love railing on these people but they're also humans and we're all we all are this dumb like we all can't see outside of the boundaries of our imagination yeah so i mean i'm sure i sound like this to someone probably in the third world pretty easily you know (laughs) yeah absolutely um it's it's uh turtles all the way down you know but 
uh, like I just it it's it's sane for me to stomach like putting up with people like that and coddling their egos right and like i said like a lot of stuff was happening politically at the same time i was really catching up on like education that i felt like i lost from dropping out of college to do stand-up like an idiot and so i was starting to get back into reading like you know marx and and political economy and weird shit like that Mm -hmm. and bernie was happening and when bernie happened you know in new york city everyone's like a rich fucking liberal and so there was a lot of like um you are like a uh you know you're you're a misogynist or whatever if you don't like hillary clinton or whatever yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. uh and i was just thinking okay well i could like if i want my career to get ahead i could put up with this sure. but uh i abs- cannot do that like i'm way closer to my friend blake who just immediately met these people and went fuck that like i'm not doing this yeah um and like it, I, all of this really helped me form a cohesive view of class, though, because I needed an explanation for, like, why are things different? And it was the same as when I went to college. And I was like, why are things different? Why are these people so much different than me? I had to figure out what the story was there. And then I really, really, like, was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't care. I, that's why I stopped caring about really, like, my career as a comic. I was like, this is, like, the bougiest fucking thing in the world. I love doing comedy, but the idea that you would make all these like um sacrifices of uh these delusional things these delusional sacrifices and sacrifices of integrity just to get like a spot on a tv show that doesn't even pay really well yeah 100 percent, absolutely insane i would much rather be a madman screaming about all this because i think that's interesting whereas 99 percent of what people are making fucking isn't um and and more you know morally intact (laughs) yeah and that's when i really became like someone who i I just i noticed that like it almost seems like um like maybe it's a generation thing maybe it's it can't just be this but it feels like america like as an entire community of people through the economic crisis that led to 2016 and then through 2016 gained like a bit of class consciousness yeah like as a whole mm-hmm. and so people understand things better now actually you know what there's some truth to that i think um, so but like in 2016 people like who considered themselves liberals would say to me like you're a fucking pizza guy <laughs> so fuck you like <laughs> you know i like guess an insult oh, or whatever oh my god and that's when i really like realized that these people are kind of class enemies and then if they're gonna say fuck you you're a pizza guy the answer to that is fuck you i'm a pizza guy yeah absolutely and i got really into identifying as a worker and uh and really squaring all those things with uh you know like but the the thing is the answer to that also isn't because i worked for like this place roberta's it was pretty famous the answer is isn't I love Roberta's either. It's a fucking, I hate my boss and I'm like, yes. a, yeah, I'm on the side of my coworkers yep. and workers and the working class in general, which is entirely in opposition to, you know, this bougie class of artists yeah. and our bosses and all of it or whatever. That's an essential piece of the puzzle for sure. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's still something that that a lot of people fail to see. And I mean, it's funny because you still see people that are liberals or whatever, um, you know, make comments like that, you know, putting down service workers or whatever they deem below them. And, you know, I, I, I do like to feel that like the backlash now is that they receive is greater than it used to be. So there's some hope that, that you know, slowly they'll they'll just get too embarrassed to uh to spout their their shitty classist opinions. Well, it's funny. I think a lot of those people that said that sort of shit back then have like it's uh, it's it's not it's not very like um they're not saying it out loud, but you'll notice a lot of them now like retweet like a cab shit and anti capitalist shit. Yeah, and don't won't actually engage with someone that they had a fucking argument about. They were wrong with in 2016, but they they're on the other side now. Yeah. It's very in chic to be an anti capitalist now. Yes, yes, or in vogue rather. So like we were right. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it, and it's just kind of like funny, uh, you know you know them walking back with their tail between their legs <laughs> just not not even acknowledging <laughs> that they were the enemy for so long which i mean you know that's that's it's yeah they're still a shitty person and and maybe they're not going to admit it but it's like okay i think uh it's it's enough that that we win and 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 we've gained more recruits yeah yeah i, I mean you can't I don't know. There's an argument to be made that like you should gloat when <laughs> when you yeah. win someone over, sure. like just be glad they're here or whatever. But um, I don't know. But there's still a lot of material. Like a lot of these people are still class enemies in a lot of ways or whatever. Yeah, and know. and and it is just the the aesthetic of of being a leftist or on the periphery of socialism that that kind of earns them a a a, a seat at the table. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it sucks because it's like people still doing liberal shit, but then like getting to congratulate themselves for having the aesthetic veneer of socialism yeah. is like a huge contradiction, like it's a problem, and probably isn't actually pushing things in the right direction. But whatever, you know. Yeah, but, it's it's tough when I mean, I don't know. It's hard to be mad at those people when when obviously you got the alt right and all the. Shitty fascists. So, yeah, I mean, you can be, you can be mad at multiple things at the same time, especially yes. when they're part of the same ecosystem. Like yes. liberalism does, like enable fascism. You know, like these people. I mean, a lot of these people will like, uh, and you see this through the lens of being in stand-up comedy so much because it's it's this sick fucking networking cult thing. I see people like perform very like very like scolding fire and brimstone you know either from liberal you know basic identity politics shit to like straight leftist shit and then the next day they're just opening for like the most racist fucked up comedian <laughs> of all time and they're like mm -hmm. wait what the fuck <laughs> like yeah nothing truly truly this fucking bougie career thing just supersedes everything for these people um i'm really i i, I um I, I'm trying to bring this back to the job jumper thesis because I understand that that's like the, the central theme of your show. And I, I know I'm rambling because I like talking about this stuff. So feel free to cut me off. No, no, I mean, you know, it's all good, man. I, 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 I've really enjoyed, uh, hearing where you're, where, where you're going, you know, there, there, there's no hard, hard, uh, you know, 
point I want to um, take to the uh, the finish line here but but i would like to hear how you know that th- th- this kind of balance that you've kind of struck or maybe not not so much of a balance with with these service jobs and you know being an artist like you know since covid and just like these last few years um how how has that been kind of surviving as as an artist and in, in in like the most expensive place in the entire universe <laughs> oh man i mean i thank my lucky stars that i uh was able to make it work in the ways that i did and like i don't know i mean anyone i'm sure can can relate to the idea of going through your life endlessly and doing counterfactuals and going what if this hadn't happened and what if this had and yeah would things have worked differently um i i I feel really lucky but this is a circular thing it's gonna it rolls over my head all the time i feel very lucky but also i don't want to undersell like you know my personal agency and a lot of this stuff because like uh, i've lived in new york for the last 10 years because i found a place to live that a lot of places a lot of people would not n- know about uh-huh. <laughs> like aren't in the circles to find maybe wouldn't live in because of the conditions of it and sure, stuff like sure. that and i did like a lot of this shit whenever i talk to my mom about this stuff she always says like oh you're just like your fucking dad because my dad my uh my dad's like um you know this guy who fucking lives out of his car for a week if he needs to because he needs to go <laughs> Nice. drive across the country to yeah. get surgery in Mexico or whatever. Oh like, he's just a lunatic. Like, I'm a big know? fan of, uh, of, of of sleeping in my car for whatever reason. That's great. I mean, I'll, I'm, I'll eat out of the dumpster. I'll, you know, do whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm a goddamn degenerate. I'm friends with criminals and sex workers and shit. Cause Back we, to the rap. We... <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> uh, that's who I am, man. And like, um I don't know. I I that helped a lot. Um the podcast, you know, that I happened to get off the ground was central to like my life not falling apart. I'm thankful to everyone who's ever like you know been on the Patreon or anything because it kept everything afloat. Um but it didn't happen on accident. I mean, yeah. I I fucking built that thing with a set of skills and observations that like uh i kind of have a chip on my shoulder about because i feel like a lot of times people don't understand like how fucking difficult that was because like um you know i i figured out over the years as a comic and as somebody that was trying to make this entertainment industry shit happen that there is this like weird thing where like opportunities come along and then you have to like figure out how to capitalize on them and i've had yes. a few huge opportunities pass me by so when ice raided my fucking apartment, you know? oh my god, holy shit! Oh, do you not know that? That's, I don't think that's I, I don't got, think I've heard of, about that one. That's how I got Pod Damn America off the ground. Okay, is, uh, I, I was doing it already. I was doing it because I was just like, all right, I wanted to like mo- you know make a project that was like how I could uh, you know study and stuff and yeah, have yeah. fun and and do comedy that I thought was just had better politics than like late night and shit like that. Um, but I, I, Homeland Security came to my apartment because of a joke I made about ICE agents, and uh, I won't get into the <laughs> details so that you don't get raided. But like, uh, <laughs> when that happened, I just was on like the front page of Reddit, and like all these 
people uh started booking me on stuff to talk about it and i was in this relationship at the time and everything i was real stressed out because i was like no you don't understand i have to do this like i have to stay up all night every night fucking capitalizing on yeah. every thing that happens here because that's going to determine the rest of my life and yeah. it, i was right and uh she broke up with me <laughs> but, oh man but uh <laughs> we're still friends it's fine but sure. it, man it was crazy to be a fucking weird entrepreneur stupid you know uh comedian uh service worker guy because yeah. i'm just burning the candle on a million different ends when all this happened but it uh you know it eventually turned into a thing that i was able to to, to turn into a job um that gets some things done you yeah. know uh, Th that's that's something that um that like i don't think people talk about either you know as as much as they should like the the momentum that you kind of have to capitalize on especially in like the the social media age where things go viral or whatever or, or you have a moment in the sun or something's happening culturally um yeah it's it's you you do kind of have to run with it and and uh to to like know when that moment is i think is a skill that that not everyone has yeah and like i'm a big gambler i love playing poker and like you know calculating odds and stuff like that and like uh you know you see it happen i guess this might you know i'm I'm open to critique here it's gonna sound a little self-serving i think but like uh with these like rich bougie comics that made it happen for them and their careers in places like new york and la the way i kind of think about it is that we're all in a casino they got a lot more chips than me when they walked mm. in the door. Yep. You know, I walked in with a few and had to be really careful with like how to use them. Otherwise, I would lose them. And I'm just very thankful that things worked out. Although, I mean, it, it fucking came at a cost. You know, <laughs> like sure. sometimes when young people ask me, like, you know, oh, how do I be a comedian? Part of me wants to go, don't do it. It'll it'll consume your life. It destroyed all sorts of things for me and uh it's an unanswerable question like whether it was worth it or whatever but i'm feeling good now yeah um, well, that's yeah it's hard to you know go going back to like the what ifs and and uh thinking if it was the right move or not but but i guess you gotta like remember that the moment because I've, I've i've had these moments too where it's like man like i like nothing else interests me other than doing this i guess you kind of gotta hold that within you <laughs> and to realize that you know okay sacrifices like suck but like i you know i'm i'm doing what i love at least yeah i wrote a uh an op-ed in the new york times at one point and that was basically the point of it because i had like a really really viral tweet happen and then i wrote about how like you don't get rich off of that this is like in 2015 or so so yeah. it was, like, that was not as obvious as it is now <laughs> then mm -hmm. Uh, and the point I came to was like, man, you know, when you really, you gotta look yourself in the mirror and figure out, like, if you really love something, and if you do, you're kind of fucked. It's kind of a curse, you know, yes, more than it is, yes. like, a blessing. Um, but, you know, it had kind of informed the rest of my life, and I've figured out how to, like, how to, how to keep things sustainable in order to keep that thing going, and it's worked pretty well, and, a, but a big part of that has been the service industry, because you know i went on tour last year opening for eve six which is like insane it was great yeah yeah i made a pretty good amount of money you know because they're like a famous band yeah people know them <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh and you know they they treated me well man they had me be the opening act i did two 15 minute sets a night and like it was fucking cool i sold a bunch of merch and stuff that's awesome and when i got back from that tour 
this thing happened where I made so much money off of it that it made me broke again because like if you make like a hundred dollars and you have like student loan debt or something you're just gonna spend the hundred dollars you know what i mean like uh -huh. have a nice dinner yeah but if you make six thousand dollars and you have student loan debt you have to pay off that fucking loan now oh, you know mm -hmm. which is good i'm glad it happened yeah. but it was odd because i got back and i paid off all this shit and then i was like oh fuck i need to get a job or else <laughs> i'm gonna just become a, a fucking i'm gonna get back in the hole yeah 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 uh, and I was real scared of getting back in the hole. So I hit up a friend of mine that I knew through uh, booking stuff. He's like a music promoter. like He works in the punk world and shit. And he hooked me up with a job at his bar. And I worked there for a fucking year. And I made... I got everything paid off. And I saved up like savings and shit. And uh, then simultaneously, I beat my landlord in a dispute at court. And now I'm like, I'm good. Like, Hell I'm yeah. sitting good and I'm feeling really good about it. And I'm really trying to make sure I don't just blow all this money. And I'm kind of in this place where I'm like, okay, how, how, what to do next? But, you know, this is, uh, so I like to think about it as like seasons, kind of. Yeah. Like, the way I work creatively is I work in the bars for like a season and then I do an off season where I do creative shit. I always think about uh, when I was young, I tried to work as a, an offshore fisherman because <laughs> like nice. deadliest catch and all that stuff. I started looking into those jobs and uh, those guys make like 30 grand in like, you know, the summer when they're out on the boat and then they just get back home and they just chill. Yeah. And uh, I never got to do that. I almost did it when I was like when I was real young. That's a whole other story. But um, but I think I kind of turned into that cycle anyway. So, like, I like, you know, having these service industry jobs where you go in, you go, I'm a hired gun, don't fall in love with the place, don't become a lifer, uh, have a good time, you know. For sure. Get treated this way, and, uh, you know, and then when you got to go, you go, hey, I got to get back to work, I got to book a tour, right? Yeah. Like, or another podcast or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, that goes back to kind of what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, needing to live in the real world to, you know, for material or for, you know, your, to, to get those creative juices flowing or whatever um which which i think is super legitimate like like i think yeah you know taking that experience that you've you had being like a normal person and going back into the art world you're probably going to make something uh you know more engaging and and creative than you would otherwise i think so because i think that like the reason a lot of comedy sucks right now especially stand-up is like you know, you look at Dave Chappelle, who was, like, the greatest comic. Like, he was so yeah. good. And then he's putting out this wild transphobic shit and just acting like a complete asshole left mm -hmm. and right. And you go, why is that? Oh, because he doesn't live in the real world anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Surrounded by sycophants and yes-men, and he has the perspective of a rich person who wants to feel like they're still, like, the victim. And it sucks. You know? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's, you know, going back to, like, music and stuff, and it's it's the same across different mediums, right? It's like, yeah, rock bands who are, or, or like, punk bands who are singing about how punk rock they are in their 50s, but in, and they're millionaires. It's like, ah, oh, man, there's a reason why people think that, like bands get worse as they age and it's like sometimes they just do they just lose it but a lot of the time it's because they're disconnected from what 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 made them so insightful and you know connected them to their audience in the first place yeah i think that there's a really funny inherent contradiction in the way that being an artist works in the world we live in right now whereas like if you're good enough at it it'll turn you into a person who's bad at it <laughs> like, yeah yeah 
that that's what is at the end of the road of success is you no longer having the perspective that gave you the thing to start with to begin with yeah no i i couldn't agree more um jake you know we're we're uh we're nearing the hour and a half mark so i am gonna let you go in a minute um but i you know i'm I'm sure there's like a million and one other things we could we could talk about but is there anything that you wanted to just you know mention or anything to wrap things up from you before we uh hit the road yeah, no, I, um, I I really appreciate that because uh, you know sometimes podcasts go for a while and it's uh, it's it, it can be like a thing where you're like Shh, I gotta pee really bad or whatever. Yeah, but, um, dude, my my other podcast, we I, <laughs> I I I do like a book club podcast with my friends and those guys, they're my best friends in the world, but they fucking talk forever. <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> after an hour, and I you know hour and change, I'm like I I gotta pee, we gotta go for a break, and they're like, no, one more chapter. <laughs> I I I could go on fucking forever, but I will also give your audience a break. Because also sometimes you're listening to a podcast as the audience member, you're like, all right, you know, sure, yeah, yeah. listen to a three hour podcast. <laughs> so, um, uh, but uh, hit me up anytime you want to do it again. Uh, because yeah. I love talking about this shit, and like part of the reason that I I talk about this stuff so much and I like talking about it is because like you know there's that there's that something you learn as a, as a socialist or whatever. Uh, about the workplace is like there's things that like they don't like us talking about like often your boss will tell you oh don't discuss how much you get paid with everyone else mm -hmm. and you, you think about it you go why <laughs> you know yeah, yeah and it's because if people knew how much other people were getting paid they would ask for more money and then we would all be better off and yada 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 and so i think that same principle applies to like talking about this shit because there is like an agreement among artists and workers and all sorts of people in all these circles that uh you know no no no, no i'm gonna it, it's a taboo and and uh it, you know it's it's a lie your boss tells you it's a lie that the ruling class tells you that like you shouldn't talk about this stuff because it'll uh, have some sort of negative effect i think it's nothing but positive so i try to do it as much as possible um, and I encourage other people to as well, you know, obviously watch your back and, and, you know, don't get yourself fired by saying something on a podcast or whatever, but, uh, you know, in the, in the right situations, it's important. And I can, cause I'm lucky enough to be a fucking comic and have the podcast and stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's cool. And that's why, that's why I answered this. I don't answer everything cause you know, people ask me to be on a lot of shit. Um, I try to, but this one I was like easily, easily, easily do. Well, Hey, you know, I, I, Really appreciate it. I think I uh, I think you had some awesome insight, and and I I'd love to talk about you know the connection between art and labor any day of the week, my friends. Um, so yeah, I'd love to talk to you uh, in the future. Um, I know you you uh, will will link link to your podcasts in the description. Is there anything else you wanted to plug to to my meager meager uh, listenership? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to hear my, um, you know, my my general comedy anti-capitalist leftist podcast, that's Pod Damn America, which you said you're going to link. Uh, my other one's Why You Mad. It's kind of on hiatus right now, but it leans more on the art stuff and the comedy scene stuff. I've got some other projects in the works, and you can just sort of, like, follow all of them by following me on social media. My handle is Feral Jokes, which is feral like an animal, F-E-R-A-L, jokes like jokes. It's an anagram for my name. It's everything on all social media. That's my handle. So whatever you're on, follow me on that. And I try to promote everything on everything. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find stand up dates, podcasts, yada, yada, yada. Hell yeah. Um, cool. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jake. Uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Have a good one. All right. And that is it, folks. 
thanks for listening. A big thank you to Jake for uh, taking time out of his busy day and chatting with me. I, uh, I had a really, really great time. Hopefully we can chat again sometime soon. Uh, if you're not familiar with Jake and you want to, you know, look into him, uh, please follow him on Twitter at Feral Jokes, as he mentioned. Poddam America and Why You Mad are, are his two podcasts. They're uh, two of my favorite podcasts, no lie. Um, if you are a job jumper and you want to be on the show or you want to tell me your story to be told on the show, uh, please reach out. Please reach out to me. There are a few avenues you can use to, to get to me. Um, you can email me at jobjumperspod at gmail.com. If you're an email person, if you are a social media person, um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at, at jobjumperspod. So you can slide into my DMs if you'd like. Um, you can also find me at Connor Clockwise on both platforms. So please, please reach out. I want to get in touch with you. I want to hear your story. I want to um, cry with you, laugh with you, all of the above with you. Um, if you liked what you heard, if you had a good time listening to the show, please rate us 500 stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, and give us a nice review, a glowing review. Maybe maybe mention that I have a very sweet, um, sultry voice or something. Something to, to that effect. You know, you can you can run with it if you want. You know, put put your own little pizzazz on it. I don't care. Um, but until next time, folks, keep jumping. <laughs>